Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love Not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the car- character of Garzarel. <laughs> My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. I was about to say a character and car at the same time, and it really sure. did not work <laughs> for me. Uh, for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. Since Morgan didn't review Supergirl episodes as a full-time co-host of Supergirl Radio until the episode World's Finest, which aired in March of 2016, we are revisiting the first season to get Morgan's thoughts. This week, we'll be discussing episode eight of season one, which is titled Hostile Takeover. And There's definitely a lot of hostility in this episode. Uh, but before we get into talking about all the things and all the ways in which there was hostility, we need to get to the news. On, uh, <clears throat> oh goodness, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ahem. We're really, we're just, really starting strong in this. Yeah, episode. just it's trying to, just trying to hype everybody up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, on September 28th, Kevin Smith took to social media to announce screenings and Q and A events at his newly purchased movie theater. Um, was it the Atlanta Movie House? Oh, Atlantic. I think it was the Atlantic oh, Highlands, I'm, right? I'm, I'm sorry. I no, typed it, it incorrect. I think it's the Atlantic. You would know better than I do. I know it's some. New, uh, it's in New Jersey. Yeah. A friend of mine, Mike's actually works there. So <laughs> I guess uh, we're from, uh, being from Atlanta, I used to live and work in Atlanta. I guess I'm just used to writing, typing out the word Atlanta. So is it the Atlantic movie house or is it? I, I think it was the Atlantic Highlands movie house. I, I Okay. I feel like, I mean, I know it's in. It's in that area. Okay. Yeah. You, yeah it, um, was, it, it was the Atlantic movie house uh, yes. movie theater. Yes. In Atlantic Highlands. <laughs> there you go. Um, so uh, is now known as Smod Castle Cinemas. Um, and in 2023, Melissa Benoist will be part of a Q&A at the location in New Jersey. Now, we don't know any details as of yet, but keep your eye out for information coming from Kevin Smith and Smod Castle Cinemas. For updates, so I'm gonna have to start following them on the so on the soch because uh, there's no way that he's gonna uh, that Melissa Benoist is gonna be in like my area, yeah. Without me being there, that seems crazy. And I, I mean, I definitely want to come up and see whatever this is. He did. He he just kind of listed Melissa Benoist as a a, a list of. Q and A's and screenings that he was doing. So I don't really know what it's about, what she's going to be talking about. I assume she'll be talking about the Jay and Silent Bob movie that she was in. Was she in that? 
She was in one of those. She played like a superhero that was based on some sort of weed something or other. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Sounds like sounds like those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it what it, what her character's name was. I haven't seen it. I've just seen like clips. Uh, so if anybody uh, in the chat knows what the character's name is, <laughs> well, uh, I know Kevin Smith has his comic book store in Red Bank, New Jersey. Um, so this is like right around there, and I know that because uh, Mike lived in Red Bank for a while and like grew up in that area, like the the area Kevin Smith kind of came from. So makes sense that, a, that, that he would pretty, have. Is that a pretty famous movie house? Is that a pretty famous theater? I, not that I know of. I just know it's like the like the movie theater in that area. So okay. I don't know that it has like a long and storied history, but I would be the wrong person to ask. <laughs> um, okay. So the character name that uh, uh, Melissa Benoist played in, uh, what is the movie? Jay and Jay Silent and Bob, Bob Reboot. Reboot, says Rachel. Yes. Um, character's name was chronic oh. um and uh, i see that she uh, the rachel says chris wood and jesse rath um also had cameos in that movie which i did not know yeah so kevin smith really utilized his Arrowverse connections <laughs> to get actors for that movie seriously uh, I, I think she played a uh, a superhero named chronic <laughs> alongside of uh, val kilmer was in it so he was like, I guess the the Batman, and she was sort of the Robin. I've heard that it's, I've heard that Kevin Smith is like, like a, a cool dude, and and I feel like the like the casts in some of these movies make sense to me <laughs> in that way, where it's like, like your pal Kevin calls you up and like, yeah. hey, do you want to be a superhero named Chronic? And you're like, all right, Kevin, for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sure, buddy. <laughs> so I, I haven't seen it yet, so maybe I'll have to watch it. But that's my assumption is that they'll probably screen that movie and she will be part of a, a screen. That's that's just my assumption. What, I don't know. What if it was like Supergirl themed and they did like a Supergirl that'd on the be, big screen? That'd be so good. Like show so all cool. of Kevin Smith's episodes that he directed. <laughs> right? That would be uh, that would be amazing. I would show yes. up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm show a... up regardless. It's like not that far away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I might not. I might uh, actually be going over there twice in 2023. He also mentioned a Zack Snyder's Justice League screening, and I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll be seeing you a lot, Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'll need to think of some like fun places for us to go, and like the moments you're not in the movie theater. <laughs> That's that's quite a substantial commitment, Zach. It is. <laughs> so we'll have to keep our eye on that and see uh, what the details are. That I mean, maybe it is Supergirl related. We don't know. We don't uh, so know. We'll have to just uh, keep following him on the social and uh, see what he is planning because it does like sound and subscribe. Like <laughs> <laughs> it does sound What's like it? Smod Castle Cinemas is now yes. what it's called. So he does have a Smodcast uh, podcasting empire, I guess is how you would call it. It's not really a network, a podcasting empire of sorts. Uh, Aaron says that IMDb also lists Melissa Benoist in Clerks 3. So really, he could just host a Melissa Benoist, Kevin Smith um, Cameo movie. night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Clerks 2 or 3. 
Just seen the one. Uh, yeah, I've just seen I've just seen the original. I, I feel like I liked the original for what it was and the other ones look like the budget's too high almost. Like I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Is it in black and white and it looked like somebody's handheld camera? That's kind of what I want from Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> this one has a budget and it makes me feel funny. <laughs> yeah, I've not finished out the trilogy, so I guess I'll have to do that <laughs> at some point. All right. In our next bit of news, we have some more news about uh, where actors from Supergirl are. Uh, Chris Wood, who played Monel and is also Melissa Benoist's uh, superhero husband, will be starring in Cameron Crowe's rock and roll coming of age musical Almost Famous with a Broadway debut set for November 3rd. Jeremy Heron of Wolf Hall fame will direct the Broadway run featuring original music and lyrics from Dra- Jagged Little Pills, Tom Kitt. So that mm. is very exciting. I've never seen the Almost fa- uh, almost Famous movie. <gasps> really? I think I would like it, but I've I never watched it. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I haven't watched it in years, so I'm always hesitant. I'm always hesitant to like recommend a movie that I haven't seen in years because have you ever had that experience where you're like that movie is so good, and then you watch it years later and you're like, ooh, that wasn't <laughs> great. I like that. Uh, so I'm always like I'm always hesitant to be like I haven't seen it in 15 years, but I'm sure it holds up. And then like somebody else is like it didn't, um, but I feel like it does hold up, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check it out. But I, I assume it would be pretty cool as a musical. And Chris Wood, I, I think we would do a pretty good uh job it's it sounds like there's going to be yes it is going to have music in it is he gonna be like the is he gonna be like the rock star or is he gonna be like the reporter who follows the rock star you tell me what you think this (laughs) picture from the website looks like i feel like he's gonna be the rock star that i think so i think there was a behind the scenes picture of him with a guitar that makes more sense. So I me. think he's going to be the rock star. He was, it looked like he was listed as like the number one on the uh, cast list. Can Chris Wood sing? Like, this is my mystery. I didn't. Does he I, have. Well, I, I mean, he sh- must, I sure hope right? so for the, <laughs> for the performance. Let's hope for everyone. <laughs> Chris Wood gets out the first night. He's like, oh man, guys, I thought I was just going to spoken word this thing. <laughs> It's like he's gonna like, like Shatner a, it. <laughs> no, he's gonna be like uh, my fair lady, the Henry Higgins guy. Who he ba- he basically just uh, uh, sp- spoken word. Uh, what do they call it? Like sight singing or something? There's a there's a word for that where you're like you're not really singing, but you're like kind of just it's speaking through the singing. Ish. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a word for that. There's a term. I, I don't remember right uh, right now what that is, but there is a term for that. Um, but hopefully. Chris Wood can sing. We we don't know, but we're pretty hopeful on that. And uh, hopefully he'll uh, he'll crush it on Broadway, break a leg on Broadway. So that's great for Chris Wood. And uh, I just looked at the the thing, and it seen the I guess the the director of Wolf Wolf Hall is directing this, which seems like a strange choice. But it reminded me that when I was in London a couple years ago, I actually saw um, not Wolf Hall, but the the next one in like the um, the plays based on the Hillary Mantle books, I saw bring up the bodies, which was kind of a, it was kind of like the, what the Harry Potter shows did where they had like two shows and they were kind of connected. And you, but this one you could kind of like, you know, see either one, mm. but I feel like that's such a strange choice to like 
these like a historical drama and it's like this is about rock and roll and it's a musical but let's this get is, the this is, Hall guy. this is historic <laughs> this is a historic drama like, i guess it's like yeah. the 60s yeah in the past yeah no, that was sometime <laughs> in the past uh so yeah so congrats to chris wood and uh if you're in the uh new york city area go check him out on broadway um and According, speaking of our our wonderful cast of Supergirl, according to TVLine.com, uh, John Cryer is returning to primetime. So NBC has handed a series o- uh, order to an untitled multi-camera sitcom starring and executive produced by the Two and a Half Men alum. Uh, so it created by actor-writer Mike O'Malley, who was in Heels and Survivor's Remorse question mark uh don't know either of those things i assume that they are i really want to see survivor's remorse now i don't know what that is but it sounds amazing or heels Uh, (laughs) oh heels i think no is heels the um is heels the thing that uh what's his face uh oliver queen what is his name why can Uh, i not think of the actor oh my god why, oh, why no. is that left my brain? See, see y'all know Oliver. Yeah, Stephen Amell. Oh, I gosh. think I think Stephen Amell oh. is in that. It's about the wrestlers. Is that heels? I think you might be right. Or was heels yes. like a Z? yes? It was. It was a wrestling drama. Yes. Okay. I think it was on stars. Stars. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's right. <laughs> Got to pronounce that like a pirate. Um, <laughs> so the half hour. Co- half-hour comedy centers on former marrieds uh, Jim, who's played by John Cryer, and Julia, Timeless's Abigail Spencer. After an amicable divorce, the exes decide to continue to raise their kids at the family home while taking turns on who gets to stay with them, according to the official logline. Navigating the waters of divorce and child-sharing gets more complicated for Jim when the owner of his favorite sports team, Scrubs Donald Faison, enters the picture and wins Julia's heart. Heart. So Turk is in this too. <laughs> it's it's an Arrowverse reunion because Turk was was going to be in Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Wait, uh, he was going to be got uh, that Booster Gold. Booster Gold. Yeah, that's right. I don't know why everything is just so. Out Booster of my Gold brain. and Lex Luthor are in this show, uh, and that's how I would sell it to our listeners. <laughs> I I think the actors and the cast seems great. I don't know that the premise is all that exciting to me. The premise doesn't sound that exciting. No, it's like it's like it's a sitcom, but they're divorced. (laughs) Okay, anything else going on? No, not really. (laughs) And there's a love triangle. You know how everybody likes love triangles. Do we? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I'm 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 happy for John Cryer. I don't know if this is my speed. Uh, but he's very successful in the multi-camera comedy uh, sphere. Uh, he was very successful with Two and a Half Men, so I think he'll he'll fit, fit right back at home with this series. So uh, I don't know that we know what it's called as of yet, uh, but I guess at some point they'll they'll have to title it. So we'll we'll know if, sometime what if, soon. What if they also call it Heels? <laughs> <laughs> Heels part we two. Got, we got a winner. Let's just Heel, keep it. Heels the reboot. Heels the uh, reboot. So, so yeah. So that is what is coming up for John Cryer, and we have some CW news uh, because, well, that's kind of connected to Supergirl, the TV series. 
According to Variety.com, Mark Pedowitz has reached the end of his current adventure at the CW. The longtime TV executive who has run the one-time joint venture between CBS and Time Warner since 2011 is leaving the network as Nextar Media Group prepares to acquire the outlet, which has its roots in two antecedent networks. Did I say that right? Antecedent. UPN and the WB. How often do you use the word antecedent in something that both cater to younger viewers? Nextar is expected to close the deal at some point in the third quarter of 2022, but has already begun to run the network's operations. Dennis Miller, a longtime TV executive, uh, not the Dennis Miller you might be thinking of. I think this is a different (laughs) Dennis Miller. This is the longtime TV executive. Yes, yes. (laughs) Dennis Miller, a longtime TV executive who eventually moved into the world of venture capital, will take the reins as president of of the CW. Miller has served on Nextstar's board of directors for the past few years. In addition to Petowitz's exit, Variety is confirmed with sources that the CW's president of streaming and chief brand officer Rick Haskins and chief financial officer Mitch Nedick have also been let go under Miller. Nextstar is expected to start orienting CW's operations towards the demands of its primary business, ownership of local stations. For years, uh, CW thrived on a rich uh, vein of revenue gained from the sale of streaming rights to Netflix. But Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount are more concerned these days with deriving their own revenue from streaming subscriptions and advertising sold alongside broadband distributed programming. Don't look for Nextar to change any everything. The network's name, The C, what, that was for CBS, and the W for Warner, is likely to remain as the CW, at least for the time being, according to people familiar with the situation. A branding refresh would likely cost a significant amount, and the network's name is already established, uh, is already embedded in cable guide listings and smart TV selections. Pedowitz is expected to revive his production company, Pine Street Entertainment, where he was involved in projects including The Crazy Ones, a comedy series starring Robin Williams and Sarah Michelle Gellar that aired on CBS. Wow, The Crazy Ones. I remember... I remember watching. I liked the I, crazy. I ones. liked that show too. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, so that was a short-lived cast series. on that one. Yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, so that's the big news out of the CW. Mark Pedowitz kind of oversaw a lot of the Arrowverse stuff that was going on uh, in the past when the Arrowverse was in its prime and thriving. So, <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it's interesting. There's still a lot of shakeups going around in the uh, WB Discovery. Warner Brothers Discovery, whatever they call themselves. There's a lot of things still happening, and that includes the CW. So just wanted to make everyone aware of that in case you are interested in what was going on with the CW. Always All right. something. Always something never ending <laughs> with the, the shakeups going on at Warner Brothers Discovery. But you know what? I'm interested in it. I think I'm I'm curious to see where they take this because it's a lot of a lot of moving and, and shaking going around. Yeah, I've been following it from afar, just going like, now what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> the only what? thing I don't understand is why, uh, what is Nextar? I don't even know. Uh, so- I, don't, I don't know. But they wanted those CBS, uh, those, I'm sorry, those CW affiliate stations. They wanted them real bad. Yeah, <laughs> they, ne- they didn't buy it for the, uh, for the you know, the Arrowverse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they, they bought it for all those sweet, sweet affiliate stations. <laughs> Nextar is starting to make a name for itself. So uh, keeping an eye on Nextar. <laughs> Moving on up. All right. Well, uh, that is it for our news section. So, Morgan, I think we need to hop in the uh, uh, let's say we're going to hop in the Legion Cruiser 
Ooh. And we're going to go uh, back in time to, I think, December 14th, 2015. I, I wore a sweater, not a Christmas sweater, but I feel like I'm in nice. December mode. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to hop back in time and go to December of 2015 to talk about hostile takeover. <laughs> Getting real dizzy with all this time traveling. Ooh. I think. I think I'm, re- I'm getting better at the re- recovery period. Uh, <laughs> I think we're we're getting stronger every week that we g- travel back in time. <laughs> All right. So here's the official description of Hostile Takeover. Quote, Kara goes toe-to-toe with Astro when her aunt challenges Kara's beliefs about her mother. Also, Kat is threatened with being removed as the CEO of Catco after a hacker exposes her private and damaging emails, unquote. So the one thing that they uh, conveniently leave out of this, because it's a huge spoiler at the end of the episode, uh, but this is the big episode in season one. Eight episodes in, uh, we get the reveal that Cat has Cat Grant has figured out that Cara Danvers is Supergirl. <laughs> Morgan is is Cat Grant the smartest character in the Arrowverse? Uh, definitely. <laughs> she, put, she put that all together. She was like, "Huh?" Like when when Supergirl was out of commission, you had a broken arm, and then like when you were feeling better, Supergirl was better, and like <laughs> I like. She's like, take off your glasses. And Kara's like, no, not my glasses. <laughs> my, my favorite is like when Kara like takes off her glasses and 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 Kat's like, uh-huh. That that right there is confirmation. And it's like <laughs> you can't you couldn't just mentally remove those frames. <laughs> she She's didn't like, even really <laughs> I mean, she didn't technically look like Supergirl when she took it off, though. Like, it would have no. made more sense if she didn't, because her hair was kind of up a little bit. So it made more sense if, like, she took them off and she had the, you know, the kind of the, the for lack of terms, like the princess curls like Supergirl had in season one. Yeah. It, then that would have made more sense. But it I guess been, she figured it out. It would have been funny if Kat was like, take down your hair and take off your glasses. Like, <laughs> she's all that style. <laughs> <laughs> My my favorite is like the commitment to the bit, though. They're like, my God, she's beautiful now. (laughs) She looks the same. She just doesn't have glasses on. Uh, But no, I love that. I love that Kat like put it together herself. Like, huh, a lot of these things seem to be like seem to be adding up and uh, and I I like that she she's like, thanks. You like really saved me a bunch of times and cars like what? No, not me. <laughs> cars. Season one car is so bad at lying. It's really funny. Yeah. Kat does mention, oh, I remember that time when Livewire attacked Kat Co. And <laughs> I sent you down the stairs. And then all of a sudden Supergirl showed up. Like she even reached back into um, uh, several episodes pr- previous to this one. So Kat, Kat had figured it out, I think, but she needed uh, confirmation. Uh, and I, I wonder, did she, it seemed like she didn't like fully get the confirmation until after she realized that Kara had overheard Dirk Armstrong. <laughs> Is that kind of how you put it together? Cause at the beginning of the episode, she, she asked Kara, what planet are you from? And I, <laughs> I don't know if that was her like probing Kara to see what she would do. Um, but, uh, it seemed like the Dirk Armstrong bit of it was kind of the final, final, uh, piece of evidence that Kat needed. Yeah, I think it was. I don't know if she was trying to like needle her at the beginning or if she just like that piece of information where Kara like slipped up and started saying she overheard him. 
maybe that like made all the puzzle pieces like click in place for Kat, where like maybe occasionally she had like, huh, it's weird that like cars out and Supergirl's here and then Supergirl's here, you know, is out mm-hmm. and car is here. Um, but I think maybe being like, well, we were standing right next to each other and how did she overhear him? He was across the room. I think that maybe like made all the puzzle pieces just like snap into place and she was like, ha ha. <laughs> Yeah, she, she was figuring that out. Uh, Hegelblast also says, uh, plus the lipstick, Supergirl always has lipstick, even if Kara doesn't, or a different shade. So that is a thing to look for. And uh, CMQTA74 says, especially uh, since Kara's broken arm healed within a day. That is something that I think would be suspicious. <laughs> I feel like uh, uh, Kara, as Kara, you'd have to commit to that bit. Like, you'd have to, like wake up in the morning and put on your fake cast and go to work <laughs> <laughs> for like a month. You'd have to be oh, like, yeah, Oh yeah, for a long oh, time. Yeah. That would not heal overnight. You would have to really, really <laughs> like trying to get the that. coffee out of the coffee machine with the one arm. And you're like, I can take this out, but I can't. <laughs> I feel like we should have, they should have just continued that as a bit throughout the first season that like <laughs> episodes later, she's still like putting on the cast while she's getting into the elevator. <laughs> Well, that would have uh, made it harder to know that Kara was Supergirl. Here, it's very easy, and Kat, <laughs> Kat didn't. <laughs> but this is going to be the uh, first of many times that Car uh, that Cat is going to figure out somebody's superhero identity, which is a uh, running joke throughout the series. She she sort of calls it with Barry Allen. She knows immediately that James Olsen is Guardian because of the <laughs> she can see his yeah <laughs> the, uh, the slit in the mask. Uh, so she is going to uh, uh, be a superhero whisperer, I guess, um, as the series goes on. So uh, that that's a fun reveal. Uh, I, I was surprised when this was airing that they did that so early. Like that was that was shocking to me uh, in the first run of the show that they allowed Kat. And this will be something for next time uh, when when uh, what has they and that they allowed her air quotes. <laughs> yes. So, so I say that with a, a certain choice of words. Um, but, uh, but here in this episode, I was surprised that they gave Kat the opportunity to be smart like that. Yeah, I really liked that. I mean, I think that normally on these kind of superhero shows, like sometimes like people do find their out their secret identities but it's usually like seasons in and i what i really liked about the early season of supergirl is like yeah no in the pilot we're gonna tell like 95 percent of the characters and they're just gonna know and then like eight episodes in like another major character is just gonna figure it out for herself and um, then and then what uh five seasons and for like the end of season four like lena finally <laughs> lena's like told. i think i've put the piece <laughs> she didn't even piece it together Lex had to tell her. that's true that's true uh my favorite thing is that like they really go on about how smart lena is and that she's like essentially lena is our little baby genius uh and she she could not put together a lot of obvious signs that that Car and Supergirl were the same pe- person. But Kat is like, you know, you were really mad that I called her Supergirl. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> One could argue that Kara got better at lying as the yes. years went by, but not that good. Let's all be honest. <laughs> Kat like, was also good to pick up on those things. Like, let's be honest. Like a lot of that was on Kara for lying. 
a little bit of that was on Lena. Come on, girl. <laughs> You're so close. You're right there. <laughs> yeah. So that's the big reveal in this episode that um, that uh, Kat figures it out. And she sort of, I mean, not maybe not sort of, but she's, she forces Kara to, to take those glasses off. She's like, we're just going to be here all day if you, if you don't. I mean, we're just going <laughs> to wait here on this balcony until you do it, essentially. Um, so I appreciate the cat wouldn't let up on it. Uh, so uh, and speaking of cat, a lot of things happen to Cat Grant in this episode. Uh, for one, she is hacked. Her emails are uh, hacked and distributed to other places. And for some reason, the Daily Planet is running some of these these uh, these emails as if they are important, like Cat uh, Grant uh, asking Idris Elba out on a date and being rejected. Like, yeah. why did why did the Daily Planet think that that was newsworthy? I just thought it was funny that like these emails are a big scandal, and no part of anything that they like read out about those emails seemed like that they would have become a newsworthy item. It's not like she was doing anything illegal or like immoral. She was just like spending a lot of money, which <laughs> one would assume based on like the fact that she's like rich, uh, that she does spend a lot of money and like trying a little bit too hard to like befriend celebrities. It's like, I don't know. It's cringe. Sure. But is it like, would it be dominating headlines and making a person have to step down as CEO? That seems a bit much. Like, I, I had a couple of moments in this episode where I was like, ah, I feel like we've lo we've left reality a little bit, like, <laughs> as I know it, uh, where, like, somebody would be like, oh, she spent this much on a haircut. We got to get her out of the CEO spot. It's like, yeah, I expect those CEOs to be making, like, a hundred times my salary. And I do hate that. But, like, it's not going to get them un-CEO'd, like. Yeah, yeah. Especially because, like, when you think about stuff like she's kind of modeled after I feel like kind of like an Anna Wintour figure and Anna Wintour had a whole book written about how she was the literal devil <laughs> and that she was like the worst person to work for. And then they made a movie starring Meryl Streep <laughs> and she is still, she's still the editor in chief of Vogue. So I don't know how this was supposed to like shake up cat significantly <laughs> that she wanted to go on undercover boss. Like you gotta, you gotta get better scandals than this. I understand that like the, the writing team was probably like, we want to do a scandal that could like maybe get her like kicked out, but we can't make her too unlikable. And so instead all these scandals are literally in like nothing. <laughs> yeah, the the board wanted her to like take a sabbatical <laughs> and she was willing to throw it all the way on the on, well, the stuff with the, about Adam Foster I think was yeah. a little uh even that was not that serious like oh she had a son that she doesn't see very often. Oh, that was scandalous. Well, what does that have to do with Catco? Um yeah, the Daily Planet uh published. This is what they published about Cat. They published her real age, her three per <laughs> that she has three personal shoppers on Call of Barney's, that she got rejected by Idris Elba, uh, that, uh, like you said, the, uh, the amount that she was spending on haircuts every month, her use of the corporate jet, which she owns, uh, that she invested in Jekyll and Hyde the musical. Uh, <laughs> solid investing. I don't know uh, what they're, what they're on she, about there. That she uh, tried to audition for Undercover Boss. Uh, yeah, those are not things I think actually... For me, it's it does the reverse. It's not like so much of a scandal or like she's cringeworthy. It's like 
that makes Kat way cooler. Like, <laughs> you know, like she has a corporate jet. Uh, she did stuff on a dare because Anderson Cooper dared her. Um, you know, there's <laughs> things like that where like, it's like, she seems so much cooler because of those things. I don't know why the Daily Planet would think that that was something worth talking about. And I did think it was funny. And also funny. the idea that they were like running these as like big news stories where it's like there's but there's nothing newsworthy in there. Is is she like misappropriating funds? No. Then who cares? Like that would be in like that would be on like a celebrity gossip or yeah, yeah, a tabloid, something that like would be that. in like Vulture with like a with like a catty headline, and it would be like one article, and that's. I mean, I I feel like there would be, it would be more like um like tabloid journalism that would run with that story, and I don't like I I can see a, a like a reality in which that would be all over the place, but it certainly wouldn't be in a way that it's like well now she's got to step down. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, the musical is a bridge too far. We gotta get her out of here. <laughs> it's really ruining the reputation of Catco. Right? We're it's gonna like, take we're gonna take a hit with all the investors. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I did think it was uh also funny. There were some digs at Lois Lane here, uh, since there was a mention of the Daily Planet. Uh, apparently, James also found that she had 317, 317. I just want to repeat that number. Emails referring to Lois Lane as uh, something that Kat would call to her face and worse. So even <laughs> even that wouldn't have been that interesting. And I did think it was funny that the uh, one of the like the legal people that Kat talked to uh, at Catco, she was like, um, she said something like, uh, "If you found out uh, if you had Lois Lane's personal emails, wouldn't you publish those?" And I was like, "Well, Lois." probably had a lot more interesting personal emails giving her relationship with Clark Kent. Seriously. Those might actually be newsworthy. Like, it's <laughs> nothing that we're hearing from the cat emails. I think that's the funniest thing in this episode is that, like, nothing that we hear from these cat emails is really sca- that that scandalous. It's not... <laughs> normal rich person nonsense it's <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure lena luther had at one point like some personal shoppers on retainer and i can imagine she would have been an amazing uh, contestant on undercover boss but well lena luther if her emails got out she could potentially that, be in trouble that probably she, would have been kind of bad she, for her like she, uh, unless she's like smart enough not i, th- I feel like lena luther because she's got those luther genes she's not putting in an email lol whoops science murdered a guy right she's not <laughs> she's not that in writing <laughs> one hopes <laughs> i mean she would have to well i guess for her research purposes she would have to document like Oh, this guy didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> we've got to, we've got to get rid of a body. Here <laughs> My <the> bad. <laughs> Calling up old Carl at the morgue again. <laughs> so I would be way more interested in reading Lena Luther's emails. Lena Luther's emails. Lo- Those are going to be page turners. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. It's like I've been invited to speak at a children's. Uh, like a, a children's birthday party, I must have 
a, a gala dress. <laughs> furs. Furs and furs. <laughs> Could you attach one fur to another fur? Just kind of build me up a collar. <laughs> like, Make me an animal. <laughs> it's, it's like, ma'am, you're just giving like a you're just giving a speech at like career day at a school. And she's like, no, I'm going to chop her. I'm going to chop her into this school. And they're like, man, that's incredibly wasteful. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the uh, the Lena Luther emails would be incredible. The cat ones are very tame. Yeah, considering considering her her power and her her great wealth and her influence. I did think it was funny at the end Cat says something to her security guards uh, about Dirk Armstrong and we'll we'll talk about Dirk uh a little bit, but uh she says to them something to the effect of make sure that he's paraded around as a criminal in front of the 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 press. And I was like, "You are the press." <laughs> Well, who are you talking about, Kat? You like, are the media. Wasn't like one episode ago, she was like getting on TV and giving everybody a hope speech. Why doesn't she just attach that camera and be like, look at this Joker? And <laughs> just train it on him. Yeah, that did make me laugh. That it was like, make sure the media sees him. So, like, you? Or... Like, are you going to send a photographer down there? Yes. I mean, you know. Like a pretty prominent one works for you. Is he going yeah, yeah, to follow <laughs> them down there? Or like James is just standing under there, like arms crossed going like, look at that guy. <laughs> uh-uh. And they're like, James, you want to put on that camera, get down there? He's like, nope, I'm already sort of transitioning into my next thing. <laughs> <laughs> Cameras are for suckers. <laughs> I have a special one that I only bring out on special occasions. Like, <laughs> When it gets run over. <laughs> I was going to say, like when I'm going to throw it under a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so uh, Cat Grant being hacked was basically the, uh, the, the plot from a man named Dirk Armstrong who wanted to take over CatCo. And she Cat gets back at him for uh, hacking her emails by hacking his emails. Uh, so uh, Morgan, what did you think about all that? There's they, they, the super friends like Kara and James and Wen are all investigating uh, all of these emails. And then Lucy is brought in as a legal consultant. So what did you think about them doing all of this to help Cat uh, defeat Dirk Armstrong? I really liked them like all working together to try to get to the bottom of like what's going on with Dirk. And then like they do like a kind of a classic heist situation where like <laughs> Car is the lookout and wins like wins directing James where to go. And James is like, oh, how do I plug a thing into a computer? <laughs> like, Ooh. It was like a Zoolander situation it where it's in the computer. Uh, <laughs> James is going to be OK. Um and I really liked that kind of like the, the little bit, the little heist that they that they figured out about halfway through the episode. I will say, um, I cannot believe that they actually paid the actress who plays Lucy for that one single scene <laughs> where she had like three lines and they were like, my name's Lucy Lane. And that was like most of it. And it, was, it was like, wow, they OK, that's. I don't know that I would have uh, wasted my guest star allotment on that, but <laughs> you do you, boo. Uh, yeah, I appreciated that Lucy was there. I She didn't really need to be. I wonder if maybe they had originally intended to have more Lucy in the episode, and then they were like, no time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think this will set up Lucy becoming uh, closer to Cat Grant and working for Cat Grant because, you know, she has like three jobs in uh, season one. So this I think this is uh, foreshadowing shadowing what is to come there. The one thing that I was confused about with the Super Friends investigating everything and helping Cat Grant defeat uh, Dirk Armstrong and the uh, foil to c- take control of Cat Co. Uh, the the thing that I didn't understand is why couldn't Kara just speed read all the emails? Why did I she mean, need James and Wynn's help to read the emails? That's such an amazing question. <laughs> she was like, oh, no, I've got to read all these emails. Everybody take a pile. And I was like, I wait, I was you're like, super girl. Mm, girl, what if she just like wanted them to feel like they contributed? She's sure, like, honestly, yeah. I've got a lot of going on in kind of my personal life, and I don't <laughs> care that much about this. But <laughs> let's all get together as a team. You do a bunch of work I could do in five seconds, and you do a bunch <laughs> of work I could do in five seconds. And I'm gonna sit over here and like really like chew on my problems. She's like, <laughs> maybe she was just. Like, she's like, listen, I'm I'm down. I can't I can't be doing all this reading. They're like, but it would take you two minutes, and it's like doesn't matter. It's going to take you about five hours. You should probably get to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a, I didn't even think about the fact that she can speed read and that does make it so much funnier. I think that they really wanted to have like an everyone's working together thing, but like sometimes cars powers really do get in the way of that where you're like, why, why doesn't she just do it? That could have opened up more scenes for Lucy Lane. It could, yeah. There you go, <laughs> Lucy Lane. Could I love uh, Hegel? Hegel in the in the comments says Morgan CBS money, not CW money, is how we got Lucy Lane for one single scene. True. Yeah, this was back in the days where CBS was uh, really putting out that budget. <laughs> I got. <laughs> I, I gotta admit, like watching this season, I just sometimes just think, wow, like the picture quality is so good. Like I can, I can see people's freckles. <laughs> <laughs> CVS money was incredible. Yeah, it really, really was. And and they were able to do these uh, big fight scenes more so in season one. We'll talk about some of those with the the other Kryptonians in this episode. But uh, yeah, Dirk Armstrong was the worst. He was kind of a scumbag. Uh, He did not succeed in taking over Kat's uh, company. So good to see that uh, even if the investigation didn't really make a lot of sense to me. They they came together and they helped uh, Cat Grant defeat her foes. <laughs> <laughs> they really did, and and it, it allowed Win and James to sort of work out that their issues kind of broke down uh, because Win was being again a little bit unpleasant in this one. And I was like, oh, I can't I can't deal with this moping for too much longer. How many episodes did this last? Uh, and it turns out just this one uh, because at the end James is like, bro, what's going on? And uh, he's like, if you like her, just ask her out, Um, which I appreciated. He was like, you know, I have a girlfriend. She was just in the last scene. Uh, (laughs) You'll you'll recall she's she's she came in for legal advice. (laughs) And and when, you know, when is a little bit like, how do I ask her out? She's Cara. It's like, all right. All right, dude. It's just you ask. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, this isn't I don't believe the end of the sort of love triangle love square rhombus whatever form it took but it did i feel like i i didn't like win being really unpleasant to everybody and just kind of moping and being uh being kind of a jerk so i appreciate it that he seems like at least he will go back to the win that we know and love 
Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see in the rewind episodes that we're doing when how how that goes with Win because it seems like in this episode they're going to give Win a shot with yeah. Kara, but th- they really didn't. They, and I guess I, we're, I don't we're, recall we're fast forwarding, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's weird that they would put so much emphasis on it and then. Nothing really comes of it. I it's mean, really strange. It's not the last time that's going to happen. Well, that is <laughs> that is true with multiple characters. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we'll we'll get to more of the uh, when uh, having a crush on Kara saga when that uh, arrives. But yeah, so they they are making some uh, storytelling progress in that arena as well. Well, some of the other hostility in this episode was coming from uh, Aunt Astra. If you will recall, uh, Aunt Astra was pretty prominent in season one. Morgan, what did you think about uh, the two Laura Benantes uh, that we saw in this episode? Uh, were you uh, were you uh, convinced that they were two people like I was? Or <laughs> did you remember that it was just one person playing two parts? Listen, if they want to give Laura Benanti like an orphan black Tatiana Maslany <laughs> vehicle, I would watch it. She is fantastic. Uh, I, I always forget how much I liked Laura Benanti in this role. I thought she was so good. And yeah, I agree. I was like, when it was Astra, it was Astra. When it was uh, Alora, I was it was Laura and I, I I did like when they were having an argument I was like yeah these are two people having an argument which like a lot of actors can't pull that off and I think she did such a good job at that uh Alora just like held herself differently and felt like a different person and Astra uh, I know they had, you know, Asher has the little streak in her hair and that's how you can tell. But I feel like I could have <laughs> I could have told just by the way that like the characters like interacted and held themselves. And uh, I really liked I forgot how much I liked this storyline of having Astra be the villain in season one, because it really does bring it back around to Kara. Like the whole story is about Kara. She's the villain. And so that brings in a lot of emotional stuff for Kara. And in this episode in particular, I feel like we really got to see the bond that Kara and and Astra had. And we get to really understand that, like when they have the, you know, the signals. And, and I really liked the way that it kind of makes you and makes Kara question whether or not her mom was always the best person. That her mom, you know, used her to lure her aunt out and used her connection with her aunt to... Uh, to to sort of draw her in and 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 get her arrested, and uh, and I think that you kind of see a, a little bit of a connection between some of Kat's storyline with her son that she feels like she kind of failed and gave up on, and the way that that Carr feels like she maybe didn't have the you know the right like bead on her mom. She has to kind of question like I thought my mom was this perfect person. And now I'm finding out that, like, maybe she wasn't. Maybe she did questionable things sometimes, you know, to get her own, you know, her own way. And I think it makes sense for Cara to kind of have to encounter that because I think as people get older, they realize, like, oh, my parents aren't perfect and they're not always right and they don't always know everything. But, like, Cara got sent away really early. She was only, like, in her 
early teens. And so she never really got to go through that process where she realized where she went, went like, oh, mom's not always right. Like, oh, <laughs> mom, that shirt. No, uh, <laughs> I think she like when she got sent away, she's kind of still in that sort of hero worship of your parents place. And so she got to kind of keep that that ideal of her parents intact as being kind of perfect. And I think that this is like the first time that she has to face the fact that maybe they're not, maybe Alora, you know, did some questionable things and, and used her daughter uh, to, you know, to capture her sister, which isn't the nicest. And, uh, and I, I really liked how that brings it back to Kara, how it brings it back to her family and Krypton and, and is the story about Kara, even though, you know, she's fighting, Astra and Astra has this plan to save Earth that is question mark, question mark, probably crazy. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you want to get in on this? She's like, no, Aunt Astra, I don't think I do. Um, you know, if, if if Astra had stuck around, I feel like uh, she would definitely be in a, like a bunch of like Herbalife MLMs. She's like, get on board in my downstream. And like, no, Aunt Astra, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Somebody that you kind of like soft block on Facebook where mm-hmm. you're like, mm, Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, I don't. I don't want the pills and Astra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really liked the way that it it it, it was a story about Kara, and and so much of season one was really good at making them stories about Kara. But I think having the villain be her family, like just kind of intrinsically makes it about her. Yeah, there's a really powerful moment where uh, Supergirl confronts Alora's AI, where she. Uh, one of the great lines I think in that scene is, is Kara screaming out, well, was she right? And I think that's, Mm. that's such a, uh, an interesting question that, um, that Kara has to deal with that, that all of this stuff didn't went down with her mom and her, her aunt. And now she's seeing what her aunt has become. Maybe she got a little crazy in Fort Ross. (laughs) She went a little nuts. Um, but the, the fact that Kara was still just trying to figure out who was right, who was telling the truth, because she's, she's hearing it from both sides. She does, she doesn't really know. For me personally, I would maybe trust my mom more than like my crazy aunt who's, attacked me several times <laughs> i think i maybe would i would maybe tend to side with someone who has not physically tried to harm or kill me <laughs> uh, but that's just me so Kara, for some reason is conflicted by this whole thing uh but uh but yeah i really love that scene melissa is so good that's one of the uh the good scenes that one of the great scenes of supergirl in general the whole series uh, is that scene where supergirl confronts her her mom's ai and uses heat vision on her yeah that was one of my favorite scenes in this episode and i I think now that i'm thinking about it yeah i think anytime you allow melissa to just like go there emotionally it's always going to be something great is going to come as a result and that scene like really hit me in the heart yeah she was like she has all these questions she has she wants to have a conversation with her mom and there's her mom and she can see her and it's a robot you cannot answer because the programming says no. Uh, I, guess, I guess Allura, when she was like putting in and was like, oh, do I want to have an answer for like, should we been more aggressive with the pl- whole planet blowing up thing? No. <laughs> Shut it down. No uh, comment. No, <laughs> do not yeah, no comment. No comment, essentially, is what the AI tells her. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that that was such a good scene. And Melissa did such a great job. And I love that Alex was in that scene, too, and kind of brought her back from the edge and was like, you know, 
you know, I'm here for you. And, and I, I really love the sister connection in, in this, in like the early days to kind of setting up how important they are to each other. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, it's all about Kara's family and Alex is yeah. part of Kara's, uh, her earth uh, adoptive family. What I think is interesting about this episode that I've never really put together before is, and, and I think the reason I haven't is because I was under the impression that Astra was killed off because Laura Benanti either, I can't remember at this time if she was going back to Broadway or she had a daughter. She'd had a baby. I think she I think was, she had just had a baby. Yeah. So I think there was there was definitely something that caused her to leave. But what I thought was interesting about this episode is it seems like they set it up for her to leave in this episode because Alex has a conversation with Kara about are you ready to are are you are you uh capable of killing Astra? Because you may have to do that. And I was like Oh, I know what's coming Ooh. later down in the season. It's very uh it's very telling that Alex asks her that question because mm -hmm. uh spoiler alert, Alex mm -hmm. kills Astra. So. <laughs> so they did do a good job of foreshadowing here. So that's actually kind of blowing my mind right now is that they've set this up in episode 8 that Alex will then later on in the season be the one who does um, step up and have to kill Astra. Um, so I don't know. I was like, oh, I did not realize that that was uh, embedded in the story so early. So that's that so was cool. cool to see. I see a comment from uh, Hegel Bless who says, but Nancy was scheduled to do a play in New York City during spring 2016 and would have been unable to film the rest of the season. Yeah, I couldn't remember hmm. if it was the uh, the career thing or if she had because at some point she did take a break, I think, to spend some time with her family. So couldn't remember the exact schedules there. Yeah, but uh, uh, Astra is really busy in this episode, uh, <laughs> kind of running around doing things. What are your thoughts on Non at this point? Astra's husband, Non. Yeah, Non just kind of seems to be around, right? Like he's. <laughs> he's like i'm a i'm a scary dude she's like stand down sir and he's like okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's he's definitely more like bloodthirsty than she is uh, she's like um he he's the one who's really pushing her like you gotta kill your niece and she's like i, I mean we can get her to join us and he's like or murder <laughs> uh, so so but he as like a has like a presence on the show i don't know there's just something not that compelling so far about non like i guess he is kind of scarier than her because he doesn't have that emotional connection to supergirl like uh like Asher does so he's not going to hesitate when they're fighting but at the same token he also doesn't have that connection to supergirl so i'm not that excited for non scenes to be honest i'm like okay and like non's here uh and then you know he does roll deep with all of his friends when he attacks the uh maxwell no. lords yeah Lord maxwell lords can like is like can i just launch a train <laughs> <laughs> these stupid kryptonians keep messing with me i'm so sick of this <laughs> <laughs> let me live uh yeah so non is a little more aggressive he tells Astra, if you die, she dies. So that's also a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> they really laid it on thick about Astra's eventual death. Seriously. Uh, in this episode. So um, 
So that's why Non gets a little aggressive towards the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, Non is trying to uh, take things his own direction uh, by the end of it. So there's a lot of a lot of Kryptonians flying around in this episode. We went from one Kryptonian in, uh, well, I guess, two Kryptonians in episode one, including Superman, uh, to now having a lot of Kryptonians flying around. Well, Morgan, is there anything that uh, we did not talk about in regards to this episode that you wanted to discuss? Did um, we leave anything out? I think we, I think we covered most of it. I think that that was most of the most of the episode. I, I really, I really enjoyed this one, though. I think that that they really did a good job on keeping like the cat storyline moving, keeping the Asher storyline moving. They were both kind of like equally as as exciting and, and kind of uh, like grabbing you. And so I think that this was, a, again, this is another good one. And like um, season one was really just uh, really just the hits. <laughs> the hits yeah. keep coming. <laughs> yeah. Season one is pretty great. Uh, we'll have to discuss the next episode. Uh, that episode made me like the maddest. I <laughs> Until thro- throwing the hope totem into the sun. Uh, blood bonds was the most mad I'd ever been at the show. Uh, so so we'll, we'll have to see if the rewind of it um, will be any better for me. But yeah, these episodes, these first eight episodes are just fantastic. Just so good. And um, while my, I guess my final thought on this um, is that uh, while we've been talking, having this discussion, I think it's really interesting that they in season one set up Kara slash Supergirl to have these two maternal figures that uh, I had not really put uh, together. And what I think is so good about this episode in particular is that Cat Grant is sort of her maternal figure in her earthly sphere. In my opinion, she's she's kind of that um, that mom that that Kara didn't have growing up. She's now you know she has a maternal figure in her life, and then Astra is this other maternal figure because she looks just like her mother, Alora. And uh, the the two of them are very different in how they interact with Kara. And I, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that this episode, in my opinion, sort of pitted those and gave a nice contrast to uh, the two of those. So I, I really like about what they're doing with that in season one. Okay. Well, I think that is going to cover all of our thoughts on Hostile Takeover. Lots of... Uh, hostility coming from a lot of different places, uh, Catco, Astra, um, just so many different areas of the episode. But we weren't hostile about the episode. We uh, really enjoyed it. So I guess we're going to have to go back to the future in order to get to the present. Uh, so we will uh, leave 2015 behind until another rewind. <laughs> Okay, now that we are back in the present, I guess... Good to be back. (laughs) Good to be back. I guess we should uh, now get to some listener feedback. So we have some feedback from the last few episodes that we've covered on Supergirl Radio Rewind. So we'll start with a question from a listener named B, who writes, Had a thought while listening to your re-review of How Does She Do It? (laughs) The series really went from season one posing the question, Can Kara have everything? To us all wondering, can Kara have anything by the end? (laughs) (laughs) So true. It's so true. How does she do it? She doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. Oh, poor Mm. Kara. 
more Kara. More so just a, a riding choice uh, that was made. <laughs> well, she um, was doing a lot better in season one. And then by the end of this, the show, the hits just kept coming, but not in the way I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like physical assaulting hits. Yeah, it was more not like, like the top hits. <laughs> All right. Well, we have some thoughts from Daryl. Uh, so Daryl sent in some thoughts on red faced and asks uh, the question, uh, quote, does the DEO pay Supergirl? Because they always act like they do, but the subject of com- a compensation never comes up. Uh, and uh, Daryl also says no one is appreciating what Kara did in saving those kids. That guy had it coming. I believe that was the was that the the time that she saved the kids from the, the bus. They were in the bus. Oh and yeah, she like broke his arm. I think that's I think that's <laughs> the guy. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Daryl goes on to say it's a little hard to get invested in James's relationship with Lucy since they're obviously building up to James and Kara right now. In this in Redface, they probably are, but it's interesting. Uh, kind of reading this after uh, Hostile Takeover because uh, it seems like at this point they're trying to build Kara and Win. For some reason. Um, but yeah, so Daryl says it's obviously uh, that they're building up to James and Kara. I think it's a little rude of James to invite Lucy without asking Kara first. Obviously, she would have said yes, but the way James did it wasn't quite right. Uh, yeah, James doesn't really have the boundaries thing worked out with Kara and Lucy in season one. Uh, Daryl also says it's far easier to get invested in Kat's relationship with her mother, even though we never <laughs> see her again. Yeah, don't get too invested in Kat's relationship with her mother because uh, <laughs> that will not be revisited. <laughs> uh, Daryl also says, much like Kat, I also think Kara's apologi- uh, apologizing too much, especially since she's not wrong in getting angry at Kat. Seeing Kara be upset at thinking she'll never have a, for- a normal life is a big reason Clark should have been around in season one so that she could see that it's possible. The show likes to pretend Kara doesn't kill in later seasons, but she definitely does. And Red Tornado is merely the first example of that, unquote. <laughs> yeah, even in a, a Hostile Takeover, she says something about, well, Superman doesn't kill. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, sometimes mostly. they do. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he tries to be good. <laughs> Everybody's got to have a cheat day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, an email about human for a day. Daryl asks, why is Kara going back to work after just getting released to cat to go home because of her colds? We all love the show, but sometimes the writing is pretty inconsistent. So, uh, Oh, I guess is the question car huh. going back to work after just getting released to Kat? I oh, guess I see it like like Kat says to her, like, you're sneezing. Get out of here. Go home. And then later on, she comes back into the office. <laughs> yeah. If Kat told me to go home, I would just stay home. I'd be like, all right, whatever. Car, I don't have to be at work. One coworker that you have that feels like they are winning some sort of award of uh, <laughs> like bravery by coming into the office and giving everybody their germs. And Kara like sneaks back in like, hey, I'm still, Hachi, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Touches all the surfaces. <laughs> um, uh, um, he says, we all love the show. Okay, but sometimes the writing's pretty inconsistent. James and Lucy looking for a rental Seems pretty fast for a couple that <laughs> has just been back together for a few weeks. They made us su- sit through this Kara uh, Win James love triangle mess a lot. Win has really got to get over himself. <laughs> I I do agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot a big focus on the love triangle uh, in these first couple episodes. Probably the only I would say I would argue the only downside 
of these these season one hits is it's just kind of uninteresting. And they but just the rest- always they just always love themselves a love triangle. They couldn't help themselves. <laughs> rest of season one is great. That's not so much the great part is the love triangle. Um, also about hostile takeover, the episode that we're discussing this week, Daryl writes. What happens to the cat code board cat code board after season one? They disappeared like the super friends office and any chance at the car and James ship seeing uh, such close family members become enemies is a real bummer. They have car learned some heavy stuff about her mother that the show just doesn't bring up in later seasons. Well, I don't know. I guess uh, some people could probably argue that uh, the stuff with Carr and her mother does get revisited in is it season five. No, season three. Like, yeah, I, I definitely remember some stuff coming up with her and her mom about like this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think th- I think uh, to be fair to the show, I think they did revisit the. Uh, Allura stuff with Kara in season three. Um, so there is that. They probably should have done more with Allura and with was <laughs> <laughs> this whole, uh, you know, Argo city of Kryptonians. Maybe they could have done more with that. I feel like that would have been my preference, um, but they do. Uh, they do. Uh, talk about that in later seasons. Daryl also writes, quote, James is right. He's not in Wynn's way. If anything, Wynn is in his own way. And uh, Daryl also asks, why are so many of the DEO agents in the final fight carrying regular weapons, unquote? Well, you know, the DEO did that a lot. They would uh, take just regular weapons to fight aliens. But I I assume that the uh, weapons maybe not were regular. Maybe they did have some sort of souped up uh, bullets or something like that. So uh, I would I would assume that maybe the DEO agents are carrying some heavier artillery. I'd hope so, or else they like DEO just like doesn't have have the budget for special weapons. Good <laughs> luck, you guys. You're a government agency. Don't don't they just like throw around money willy nilly? Just think so, ask for some like special alien uh, guns. <laughs> the alien guns come later. <laughs> um, Kenny wrote in with some thoughts about the Supergirl TV series, saying, "I love the series, and while the show did things well, it had a great cast and a great Supergirl." Um, slash Kara in Melissa Benoist, there were a ton of wasted opportunities. The show didn't pull from the Supergirl comic book runs enough. There are some great Supergirl comic book stories the show could have pulled from, like the cancer story, which would have shown that Supergirl can't save everyone as much as she tries. Yeah, I think Kenny is thinking of the trade paperback called Supergirl Way of the World. So if you're interested in Mm -hmm. that story, that is what that is. Um, he goes on to say the show didn't have enough faith in having Supergirl stand on her own as a character. Um, the show didn't have enough two episode crossovers with other DC TV Arrowverse heroes. I would have wanted to see Supergirl team up with Batwoman slash Kate Kane, Frost slash Caitlin Snow, or Iris West on The Flash, or maybe team up with Sarah Lance and the Legends of Tomorrow. Sarah is my favorite DC TV female character other than Supergirl, and that would have been fun to see. Yeah, I do. I wish that we did get some more team up episodes kind of like we get um, in this first season where Barry comes to visit like more like less uh, Arrowverse spanning crossovers and more like Kate Kane's in from Gotham to chill. (laughs) (laughs) What happens? Um, So I guess here, Morgan, I would, I would give you the floor. If you were going to pitch a story with Supergirl and uh, Sarah Lance, what should they be doing? 
Oh my goodness. That is too stressful. <laughs> uh, I would actually love to see um, Supergirl have to do some sort of like time travel adventure with the legend. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then just get like increasingly aggravated by realizing like how bad they are at like planning and like uh, execution uh, and then just be like, come on guys. Like, like let's do, let's do this team. And like, she gives them a hope speech and they're all just kind of like, uh-huh. uh huh. <laughs> and then they go out and like continue to mess things up until Supergirl. Supergirl's like they're like the den mother uh, on the the wave rider, just getting like increasingly frazzled until like the end of the episode where she like freaks out at them. And then they just like they give her like a like a glass of uh, a glass of booze, and they're just like, "Hey, welcome to the team." <laughs> I just feel like a, I feel like Supergirl would go increasingly insane at having to deal with everybody on the wave rider and how bad they are at like <laughs> at their plans going according to plan. I'm going to yes and this. Nice, uh, there, I love it. There is a a comic book story. I can't remember the exact details, but it's it's a Silver Age story, which you know is going to be bonkers anyway. Oh yeah. Um, but there's a thing where Supergirl goes. She, I, I think she might have gone back in the past, and there she reads all these like stories of this like uh this supernatural blonde haired person who did all these things in the past. And then it turns out after Supergirl does all these things in the past, it turns out she's the supernatural blonde person that these what? stories are written about. Twist. <laughs> <laughs> that that is uh, what I would think would be good uh, for Supergirl and the legends to do is maybe the legends get Supergirl involved in something where she uh, she becomes her own uh, legend uh in 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 both ways uh, more more, <laughs> more ways than one she becomes uh, a legend in storytelling and it becomes part of the legends crew on the uh the wave rider so i think uh, that would be pretty fun that sounds amazing i would watch that um a plus <laughs> yeah um i think that's going to do it for all, all of the feedback we had all right. Well, um, I didn't actually write down any snap judgments for this episode. Uh, I was going to put them in, and then I'll be honest, I kind of forgot. But <laughs> but I think I have at least one snap judgment. And if anybody has any snap judgments in the nice. chat, we can get to those. Uh, but I think I have at least one that I want to ask you about. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. I've actually thought of a couple since just, oh, just within that intro. Wow. All right. Let's... <laughs> it's just coming fast. The snap judgments are really snapping in my in my brain. Okay, so if you had to pick between which one, which of these characters you wanted to hang out with, which okay. Laura Benanti do you would you want to hang out with? Alora yes. or Astra? Ooh. Ooh, it's oh no, it's gonna be Astra. She just seems like more fun. <laughs> she just seems like she just seems like she's gonna like hang out and chill. Like maybe you guys can like you know go out and like go see a concert or something. Alora <laughs> is gonna be like, really? Is that what you're doing on a school night? Alora, <laughs> uh, Alora, I think is is probably like a great person to give you like um, reasonable life advice and like maybe like financial advice or something but i don't think that she's gonna be like the most fun hang 
Yeah, I think I would probably pick Astra as well. Alora is uh, an adjudicator. She's a legal mind. She's going to tell you all the ways in which you are going to go to prison, probably. So <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think Alora would be as fun to hang out with. Okay, so second snap judgment. If you were a part of the Super Friends going on their little, uh, their little mission in hostile takeover, mm-hmm. would you want to be the lookout? Or would you want to be the James who has to go and put uh, the stressful little thing in the computer? Oh, that's a great question. I would absolutely want to be the lookout. That's like you don't have to really do anything. You're just looking. I can look very well. I can look over here. I can look over there. I can be like, (laughs) hey, guys, there's somebody over there. They're like, Morgan, you crushed it. You did your job so well. I'm like, thank you. I did. Meanwhile, James is like sweating bullets, like <laughs> undoing the back of a computer. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be in that. That's too much pressure. <laughs> yes, that is way too much pressure. Uh, the only problem for me to be the lookout is uh, would require good eyesight. And uh, mm. so sometimes I'm like, mm, I don't know. Maybe yeah, mine are a little get my eyes checked again. <laughs> uh, so I don't think I would be a great lookout. Uh, but it would des- definitely be too stressful to um, to deal with that. And I guess uh, the final snap judgment uh, that I might be able to ask you is if you uh, had your emails hacked, would you want them published in the Daily Planet or would you want them published in CACO? Or on CACO. Mm. I'm not really sure how that works. <laughs> what what, what, what platform would you want? Your- that is CACO. Or on the radio <laughs> station that is CACO. No, this is what I want. I want, okay. I want it to be CACO radio because I'm a podcaster. So this yeah. is what we do. And I want it to be like a dramatic reading. Like Ooh. perhaps you could get me like a Paul Giamatti or something. Like. <laughs> I need somebody with like some heft to them uh, to like, may, we'll get David Harewood. He's got like a great, oh, great yeah. voice. It's like a British, a British David oh, Harewood. Don't uh, try the American no, accent, David. No. These are good emails. And I want, <laughs> I want him to read them like classically trained Shakespearean style <laughs> inflections everywhere. Dramatic pauses, dramatic pause. And I can imagine it's just like David Harewood and it's reading one of my emails and it's like, do you want Chipotle for dinner? <laughs> I do know we had it last week. <laughs> or the email says, per my last email. <laughs> per my last email. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I like that. I what is it is it cereal? What what is that? Um there's a podcast that was really famous for being uh like an investigative podcast about this. A chick who had been murdered in it's it's serial, and the reason I know this is because you know I know it's an investigative uh, podcast about somebody who'd been murdered. This is my whole brand, uh, <laughs> but it was also kind of the podcast that got me into podcasts, um, and also into true crime. Um, but also, they had huge news this week, which is that the guy, oh yeah, in prison just got out, and they're not retrying him, so he's just. He's out now. So, yes, that was serious. They really changed the course of history. I think the podcast I'm talking about is for, for that guy <laughs> um, is called Vanished, I think it was. Oh, I hear that's good. I have not actually Morgan, listened to that one. Morgan, really? you have to really? listen to Vanished. All right. Yes. 
I will send you links. Yes, um, please. <laughs> it is it is really uh interesting. Uh so I think that's uh that's what I'm sort of imagining is is the uh the music that sort of comes in and like the the voiceover that's oh, sort of mm-hmm. setting it up for you and then it goes to the sound bites. So yeah, I kind think kind of like an only like I don't know if you've watched Only Murders in the Building yet. No, I haven't. Oh, so you should because it's Steve. <laughs> it's Steve Martin and Martin Short. And, oh, and that's Gomez. already great. Yeah, I mean Selena Gomez is great, but also I mean Steve Martin and Martin Short. That and Tina Fey. The two amigos. What? So Tina, Tina Fey is in it. Tina Fey. She's not a huge role, but she is in it, and she plays like um, like kind of like that the the lady from Serial, where she's like does a bunch of true crime podcasts and she does like the pod like the dramatic podcast voice Amazing. where it's like and when they dug up they didn't know what they'd find <laughs> <laughs> it's really good tina fey is a highly underrated character actress she's uh, really good if you haven't seen it uh girls five eva i think was it season oh. one when she shows up as dolly parton Oh yeah, that's. Right. I mean, might be her best performance. <laughs> I forgot she did that, and it's so it's so unhinged <laughs> and incredible. Tina Fey as Dolly Parton is so it's good, so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so yeah, I would probably. Oh, that's tough. I mean, the Daily Planet is a little more like high prestige. Like, if you want to be taken seriously with your emails, like the Daily Planet's probably going to be the one to really make it newsworthy. But I think Catco would be a lot more fun. They, I think they'd have a lot more fun with uh, whatever I was talking about. I don't know. I'm now I'm trying to think of what do I email? Them? <laughs> like what are, I, what's in yeah. my emails? That I mean, would be my work email very dry. Uh, my personal, <laughs> but I was like my personal email that could have some spicy stuff in there. And, <laughs> and then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh no, it's like a lot of me forwarding things on and being like, should I buy these shoes? <laughs> Really riveting stuff. Not that exciting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, unless uh, we have any other snap judgments. Oh, I think we had one in the chat from Tiana who asks, would you rather interview Astra or Allura? Oh, see, now this question, I might change my opinion or my my snap judgment. Mm. I think I'd rather interview Allura because I Ooh. would want to know about the High Council of Krypton I would want to know about all the political stuff that went on. I would want to know about her, uh, her, where she lived. I would want, I would use Allura to ask her about all of the things about Krypton. Cause I feel like she would be honest with me. She would, she would tell me as much as she could. And I think she would be a, a wealth of knowledge about that subject. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. I think uh, Asher is going to be cool to hang out with. Asher is going to know like a good bar um to go to that's like that like oh my god there's a rooftop uh astra so crazy we're gonna have a great night but if i'm like interviewing somebody i'm like trying to get into like the nitty-gritty i feel like alora is gonna be the more uh interesting person like you said like she knows all about you know she knows all about krypton like the the krypton society um astra's astra's too busy like too busy doing other stuff too busy doing like, uh, like blowing, blowing stuff, stuff up, stuff and up. Killing yeah people. yeah i don't think that's going to be as interesting as like you know the the high council stuff and like hey maybe you shouldn't have like 
blowing up the planet so much? Like, <laughs> did you try to stop them from doing that? Uh, I feel like you could get some hard-hitting questions on Allura. Allura would also have uh, sweet stories of Kara as a young girl. So That's that would be true. fun. I, oh, I'm just hitting all kinds of buttons. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this, is, this is why this is why I should always use my mouse when we do these live streams because uh, it's very different. But yeah, I think Allura would have uh, lots more to talk about. So that's why I would pick that. Well, thank you for everyone who played Snap Judgments and sent them in. And, uh, and Morgan for playing the ones off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> very, very fun. No judgments on your snap judgments. Okay, Hagelblast in the chat says, uh, has a request for a full cast <laughs> audio drama of Morgan's emails and the replies. We could make that happen. We could get Amy oh, involved. So I could get Bill, Me Bill Meeks in this. We could get Andy from the Flash podcast. We could do that. <laughs> Will you pick up dinner on your way home? <laughs> It's like, no, no time tonight. <laughs> Let's get pizza. <laughs> it's going to be really riveting stuff, you guys. <laughs> Most of it. it relies around, what are we eating for dinner tonight? <laughs> Should we go to the grocery store or get takeout? That is so funny. Well, maybe if uh, if we don't have any content for Supergirl Radio episode, maybe we shall do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio and our Supergirl Radio Rewind. And uh, now we need to get to some Supergirl Radio uh, and DC TV podcast uh, network plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and Wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Titans, Doom Patrol, Batwoman, Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook, or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. And since this episode had a lot of Catco in it, we have Catco designs that we would like to suggest. 
Yeah, so we've got some uh, Cat Co. designs in the DCTV Podcast T Public Store. So we've got some Cat Co. Worldwide Media uh, merch, as well as uh, some Keep Calm and Chop Chop. That is a uh, Cat Grant's uh, catchphrase uh, in the show. I don't think a lot of characters had catchphrases on Supergirl, but Cat Grant, Cat Grant surely did. Uh, <laughs> so she, uh, she had a phrase that we can put on a mug for you if you would like to get it from the T public store. And since we took a few weeks off uh, from being able to promote the uh, the new DCTV uh, podcast plugs contest, we are going to extend it for, uh, for a few more weeks uh, until October 31st, 2022. So if you'd like to help us promote the podcast of the DCTV podcast network on Supergirl Radio, because we need some new plugs. They are currently out of date, very out of date. So we need some new ones. And uh, Morgan doesn't want to have to do them because I'd probably make her do them. So if you would like to help Morgan not have to do those, uh, you have until October 31st at 11.59 p.m. Exactly. No later. 11.59 p.m. So uh, all you would have to do is... Uh, record yourself listing out the podcasts of the DCTV Podcast Network. That's Supergirl Radio, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, The Lituation Room, DC on HBO Max Podcast, Stargirl Podcast, Superman and Lois Radio, Green Lantern Podcast, The Sandman Podcast, Justice League After Dark, and of course, everyone's favorite, DCTV After Dark. Um, so if, uh, and as far as I know, those are still current. I don't know if those have changed. <laughs> so hopefully those <laughs> are still current of the DCTV Podcast Network. So if you want to uh, record yourself listing out those uh, names, you can be as creative as you want to be. You could do uh, character voices. You could sing a song. You could do whatever you want to do. Uh, you could do an old timey radio voice if you want to, and uh, just Ooh. record uh, record yourself uh, uh, reading the names, listing out the names of the podcast, and uh, send us an email with an MP3 WAV file or an M4A audio file to supergirlradio at gmail.com. And if you do that and we like what you do, uh, you'll be featured on Supergirl Radio and you will be our new podcast plug section. And we'll also send you some pretty cool stuff. So you'll get some prizes as a result. We're not going to uh, request that you do something and not reward you. So you'll get sent some awesome things in the mail. So uh, we would love it if, uh, you know, you sent some stuff in. So anyway, so we're going to extend that until October 31st. And we would like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for uh, contributing and supporting uh, Supergirl Radio through the Patreon. And those people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Nicola, La Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, Ethan, and Danny. And if you would like to become a Legion of Super Sponsor, you can go to patreon.com slash Supergirl Radio, and we have four monthly levels for you to choose from. So we appreciate everybody's support and uh, helping us out with things with Supergirl Radio. So thank you to our Legion of Super Sponsors. All right. I've given myself a lot of things to read. Uh, <laughs> you really have. <laughs> I should have made Morgan do the DCTV plugs uh, section. So... Next time. <laughs> uh, but if you Live want and learn, <laughs> if you want to keep up with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. And I have a YouTube channel 
that you can find at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, where I uh, will be live streaming on Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern and reading through Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews written by the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. It is a project of mine that I'm working on. I uh, am probably pretty close to finished. Uh, but I still got uh, a few to to left to go through. So it's been very enlightening and eye-opening, and it um, opens up a conversation about art criticism and how we talk about film. So if you're interested in that, I do that on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Usually this month has been a little chaotic, so I'm trying to be more uh, consistent about those, uh, but you'll be able to see on the YouTube channel when I've scheduled the live streams. So that is how you'll know when I'll go live. Nice. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me um, as the co-host on DCTV After Dark, where we just recorded uh, last week another episode, um, which should be coming out very soon. So subscribe to the feed for, for that. And um, you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we just released our uh, long-awaited uh, fantasy uh, character draft uh, po- uh, pilot pod where I got to choose what everybody was watching. So I chose Wheel of Time and we had my husband Mike on uh, because it is his favorite thing and talked about Wheel of Time. And now we are coming up on spooky season. So we are doing our annual spooky swap. So I believe we are watching the original Halloween uh, this week. So if you have thoughts about Michael Myers in the original Halloween and Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, you can go ahead and uh, and tweet us at legends underscore podcast or send those to the legends podcast at gmail.com. And we'll read them on the podcast. Amazing. Spooky I'm, season, I'm, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to get into uh, this spooky season, trying to get more into Halloween season, trying to, you know, do all the fun things around town. And I, I need to uh, do more into watching the spooky stuff. The older I get, the more I realize that I'm more aware of my mortality. Mm. So when I watch horror movies and scary movies, it sometimes sinks in about, you know, mortality when I watch them. So I've kind of over in my, in my, uh, my old age, I'm starting to realize <laughs> that I can't handle horror movies like I did when I was in high school. I used to love horror movies. So I need to get back into them and see see if I still can can get over them. I, I've realized, and this is maybe a challenge accepted thing, but I've realized that because I watch so much spooky stuff and so much so many horror movies, I'm I'm kind of immune to them now, which is kind of a <laughs> It's also kind of a bummer because I feel like, you know, when you see like a really good horror movie and you're like really messed up by it, it's kind of a fun experience a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> that probably makes me sound weird. But um, I just don't like have that experience anymore. I just like watch him and I was like, that one was crazy. And then I just like go blissfully to bed. Like, uh, <laughs> I like watch him right before it's like it's like 12 midnight. And I'm like, all right, time to hit the hay. As I just like watch somebody like, oh horribly murdered uh so yeah so i i don't know i feel like um the more you watch them the more desensitized you get to them uh which i feel like is totally the case because when mike and i first started dating he like didn't watch horror movies at all and uh was like messed up when we watched the con when i made him watch the conjuring and now he's like spooky season (laughs) (laughs) 
we'll we'll watch something he'll be like what have you remember mike yeah it's so funny we watched for this this spooky season he had recommended like the exorcism of emily rose and he's like oh i remember watching it years ago and it was so scary we watched it and i i turned to him and i was like this is I mean, it's a little bit boring, Mike. And he's like, I remember this being so scary, but it's not scary at all. And why is there so much of a courtroom drama? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Uh, I object. Uh, So, yeah. So the, the point is... You can get over your fears by just like continuing to watch more and more scary <laughs> movies. Yeah, I'm kind of a chicken. When I watched The Ring for the first time, when it oh, came out, oh, that one messed me up. Oh, uh, I was uh, I was rough for like a good day. I I I had trouble sleeping that night. So uh, there are some some movies that I'm still like, yeah, I don't have any desire to rewatch that. I, I don't remember if I've told this anecdote before on the podcast, but like the first time I saw The Ring, the the theater was almost sold out. So me and my friends were just like, okay, whatever. We'll just like, I guess there's room in like the second row. <gasps> no. We were in the first or the second row. And I cannot recommend anything less than being <laughs> in the first row of a horror movie. She when that little girl crawled out of the screen, it was like she was crawling right at me. No. I didn't need 3D for the ring because I lived it. <laughs> oh, no. To this day, I'm like, I'm like, The Ring is one of the scariest movies of all time. People are like, I mean, it's scary. It's not that scary. It's like, well, you didn't see it the way I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try to to revisit some things. uh, Maybe some old classic horror. I am going to go see a silent film uh of the phantom of the opera i think Ooh. Uh, so that should be fun so I'll, I'll report back about that experience never seen a silent film uh in its proper setting before no. in an actual theater that so sounds fun i'm excited about that that's that's how i'm spending my spooky season so uh that will be a lot of fun so we i, I don't know if there are any before we wrap up are there any horror movies that have Supergirl cast members? In I don't know. I feel like this is a this is a good throw out to our listeners because I feel like they're they're better at knowing what the cast is in than I am. <laughs> but if uh, if anybody in the Supergirl cast is in something spooky, we could we could spooky season we, it up. We could do that. I we don't do, know. We I always do the 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 Christmas movies and Halloween is like Christmas in some ways. <laughs> And that I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to investigate that. See if there are any uh, good Halloween uh, spooky horror movies starring Supergirl cast members. Well, until we figure that out, <laughs> I guess uh, we should wrap up this episode of Supergirl Radio. So uh, thanks to everybody who came and hung out with us in the live chat. But this is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And thanks for joining us for Supergirl Radio Rewind. <laughs> McGurk! I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs>
Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Super Girl Radio. Yay! 